Welcome to another episode of Why Words and Ideas with me, uh, your host, Arsetekun. Today I wanted to talk about um, calendars and time. And so titled this episode, Tis the Season for Who. I've been reflecting and thinking about the way I came to understand time. And this is something that's very interesting to me. I love the ideas of time and space and particularly indigenous concepts around this. And so what we'll talk about throughout this episode is kind of time generally <clears throat> and thinking about calendars and how time is organized within calendars and thinking about some alternative alternative ways or alternative ways of thinking about time, particularly during this time of year. So to begin, you know, growing up, grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, as I mentioned before, in the neighborhood of Rose Park. One of the ways in which I began to understand time was through shopping. Now, I've never been a huge fan of shopping. I don't really enjoy it. As a kid, it was always boring to go shopping. And as an adult, I still don't like it. But I would spend regular time at the supermarket, helping out my mom. And one of the things that I would always observe in the supermarkets growing up was holidays were always on sale. So as soon as one holiday was done, the like the very next day, the next holiday was already being marketed and there was all of the commodities there that were being sold to prepare for that next holiday. And this is something that I never really thought about, but it was just so present. Like it was, I was just constantly bombarded by this advertising, you know, kind of culture that it really influenced me in the way of thinking about time. And so like, as a kid, man, I didn't really, you know, before you really understand months and days and years or whatever, like I knew the holidays. And that was because, you know, I'd walk into my local neighborhood grocery store and all of a sudden there would be all this stuff for Christmas, just laid out, decked out, right? And as soon as Christmas over, the next thing up was Valentine's Day. And it wasn't going to be for like a couple of months. And honestly, Valentine's isn't, at least to me, it certainly isn't that big of a holiday, especially compared to Christmas. But it was just like the whole row, all decked out with chocolates and, you know, all these different things with, uh, you know, Valentine's symbols and whatever. The, and the, the commercialized kind of marketing of, of Valentine's Day. As soon as that was done, the next one and the next one and the next one. And this time of the year is, I would say, the big holiday shopping season seems to be the case here in New Zealand as well. Like I... Right now, at the moment, for example, if we got to do our weekly shopping, I try to go early in the morning or, or late at night because it's crazy. It's like all of a sudden people are shopping and I'm like, did you not shop the rest of the year? And so, but it's just like people shop more. And so we deal with it here as well in, in um, Aotearoa. But that that's one of the things that really kind of influenced me in how I thought about time as far as how time was being marked, how it was being kept track of. And it was all about sales and consumption consumerism and the holiday and so i'm kind of a bah humbug this time of year and i don't know i don't see it as bah humbug i feel like i'm much happier but this is how some will categorize me in 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 my relationships at times because i'm fine not doing any of the celebrations um for me i'm like uh, i don't think this time of year is any more giving than others in the way that i live my life i try to live a giving life i try to live a thankful life and so those are regular aspects of how I see the world. 
I don't have a problem though with, you know, seasonally doing things in particular ways, and so I don't generally have a, a an issue with it. I I'm just really not a fan of the consumerism. All I see is the waste that's going to be produced, and I'd rather give my kids, you know, my efforts in them being able to inherit a world where they're not rummaging through rubbish all over the place. Um, and so, and I'm not perfect at this. Like, I don't live a waste-free life. I definitely produce way more waste than I'm comfortable with. But I honestly don't have the privilege to do more than what I can right now, too. I mean, if you want to live waste-free, you got to have time. You got to have money. You got to have resources. And I don't think that's right. And so my position on this stuff is is definitely more institutional in where I believe we should hold institutions, corporations um, much more accountable to what they produce, how they produce it, and that's you know the you know labor that's involved. That's the 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 resources and product that that's involved. It's all the way across. How do we do it a lot more ethically? And then packaging needs to be responsible and ethical as well. I, it, I mean, it's definitely not good. I mean, we're eating plastic now, right? It's in everything, and it's not good for us, and it's going to only become worse. So that's my little soapbox for the moment. But at the same time, I'm like, look, I ain't trying to judge nobody. Like, I, I, I produce waste, you know, because I ain't got the privilege not to in many cases. But I try to minimize. This is my attempt to minimize the amount of waste that I produce. Um, is to try to be a lot more simple this time of year. And one of the ways that I think we can do that is by shifting the way we think about time. Because really, the idea of this year or this time of year being hustle and bustle because of the stresses that people develop. I mean, it's crazy to me to, to observe how much stress people have around this time of year. I would say definitely much more intense in the U.S. and, and particularly in Utah where I grew up. Um, but definitely still an issue here in, in New Zealand. I definitely see that same kind of thing. Where for me, I'm like, don't stress. But people do. And it's because of culture, right? So if we had, like I mentioned in the last episode, if we begin anything about culture as complex and, and you may have multiple layers from many different points, like one of those is the capitalist culture that consumes us and drives us to consume like crazy. And, and also the pace that comes with kind of capitalist ideas about time and production. And so I a lot of the, the hustle and bustle and the intensity of this time of year is really driven, in my view, from that larger political economic system. And we'll try to unpack that a little bit more throughout this um, episode as we think about how do we think about things differently, right? And so... Uh, one of the other point or stories that I wanted to kind of share is is while I was making this observation growing up of shopping and and kind of what's the next holiday, uh, I didn't you know it, it just kind of became normal to me right. This is how powerful this is. It's just kind of oh that's just how things are. And questioning it became very difficult later on in my life. And I frankly didn't question a lot growing up when it came to this. The, sea, the Christmas season, for example, you know, you have all these Christmas songs and Christmas trees and all these stories and whatever. And in Utah, it snows, right? So a lot of the icons, a lot of the symbols about this time of year and this holiday that's coming up, which dominates this time of year, it was, uh, it kind of fit in with, you know, we had snow outside and, 
and whatever. And, and, and I grew up in Utah. It's a very religious state as well, you know, and, and I belong to that dominant religion there. So, I mean, if you're Mormon, you're part of the big religious group that has the most amount of cultural power religiously in Utah and, you know, buys into this or, or participates in it or feeds into it as well in, in large ways. And so I didn't really think about it. And then as far as like, I didn't really question the timing of things and why we were doing this stuff, you know, just kind of like, oh, sweet, I'll take the holiday. And I still will. I'll take any day off. I'm, I'm definitely for much more days off. But maybe we can do it for different reasons. And so, as I, you know, uh, been living here in Aotearoa now, almost five years, uh, coming up on five in a few months, and this is where it really hit me. Because all of a sudden I'm on the other side of the world, and, you know, Christmas time's coming, but it's hot outside, right? We got the sun out. I mean, it's starting to cool down. It's starting to get nice weather right now, but we had a couple weeks, you know, recently that were really hot. And it'll probably get hotter too, you know, as, as we get into it. And I was just like, wait a minute. All of a sudden, the snow didn't fit. All of a sudden, all these things that I had, you know, kind of been uh, socialized with, meaning the house, the cultures and the society that I was growing up in f- taught me to think about things in a particular way through images, through um what was visually around through the way it was enforced through school and through the, I mean, if you think about it, right? Like supposedly we have freedom of religion in the United States, right? But really that means the freedom of Christian religion, at least culturally in my view, because this is the time that we, this is a national holiday, right? It's a, it's publicly recognized across the country. And so it privileges this particular belief system um, over other ones because we don't get the time off for other things. So that really made me think when I got here to to Aotearoa and I was like, wait a minute, like it became very apparent to me how much it didn't fit because it just didn't fit with the timing here. Um, And, you know, while the days are getting shorter in, you know, in Utah and in, in other parts of the world and this side of the world, days are getting longer. And I I began to realize, wait a minute, this is. A colonial holiday, right? Like, and I always kind of knew it, like, as I became more aware of things, but it, like, it really hit me. Like, I began to feel it in my body when I got here and, and seeing how different um, the season was here and how the timing was different. And so I began to think about, well, you know, the origins of, of these traditions and where they came from and what they meant. And you know, it really, in some ways, I mean, I, if we look at the European history of this, it's it's complicated as well. And there's conflict in there, you know, as, as kind of Christian imperial expansion is, is trying to uh, consume the, the outlier so-called pagans. And that's why we get the Christmas tree in there and why we get some of these other elements in there. And so there's a complicated history there as well. But generally, as far as seasons go, I mean, it does make sense. Uh, for me, the the symbolism of a Christmas tree, or let's just call it the the you know the tree at this time, is if that's the you know if a pine tree is going to be green in the winter time, it's a really powerful symbol. If you're in the middle of the thick of winter and about to approach the the long the, or the shortest day of the year, uh, that's a very powerful symbol of of life and the life that is going to come still that 
you're looking forward to while you're in the thick of the winter. A harder time in regards to kind of agricultural production, let's say. And it makes sense there to me. You know, and, and when I was in England, um, living there for a few months uh, early on in my marriage, I remember, uh, you know, walking, taking a shortcut into a, a local park and I getting scratched on my arm. And I looked and I saw it was scratched me and it was a holly reef. And I remember it hitting me like, whoa, this is a real plant. Like, this is a real thing. Because growing up, it was always these plastic representations of holly reef. And I was like, I didn't even know why we had that stuff, right? But it came, it's because it came from somewhere, right? And it, then it got enforced. So people brought it over. The, the settlers that came through the invasion of the Americas brought this, this idea, which also evolved over time as well. Um, and then it became enforced as that became the dominant group of the power in the formation of the, of the country, of the nation, the U.S. And so that's why it's recognized nationally. But it doesn't make any sense geographically to me or timing wise, but it does make sense where it came from. And so uh, it's not to knock it completely, it's, it's to recognize uh, the timing of it. And so this, you know, reflection being here really made me think about um, time quite a bit. Now, time is something I'm really, really interested in as well anyway. And so as a kind of a brief introduction, right, I mentioned the last uh, episode of, of my ancestry as we knock as a Mayan. And so part of the way I, I understand time comes from my tradition, ritual, story. And one of those things is time is a social construct, meaning that we create it socially and culturally. And one of the things that the way this is, again, this is my opinion. I don't speak for all Mayan people. I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm not a, a medicine person or a spiritual guide. Um, the closest I would say I am to anything is um, as someone who's passionate about it and a nerd, maybe you could consider me a, a spiritual drug dealer in that I, I deal with subversive, um, hidden spiritualities um, that are tied to our, our cosmology and our beliefs of time and the calendars and whatnot. So, and I'm in diaspora, right? So I think about things differently because of the way I've experienced things in my different relationships um, and growing up in different places. But so the way I understand it, now we experience the world in particular ways, but how we come to organize the way we think about that, that's what I, that's what I think it means, you know, when I would hear, you know, actual spiritual guides and medicine people or read stuff or hear from my parents and stories. That's what I think of when they would talk about how time was being socially constructed in that we couldn't make time or control it, but we were trying to create a language to understand the way we were experiencing the world, meaning how we were experiencing natural phenomena. So things that occur organically, right? Whether that's weather, um, uh, seasons, um, observations of the cosmos, um, you name it, you know, rain, rainy season, non-rainy season, etc. And so how do we align those things? And that's how I began to understand Maya time was how the observations had led to how do we construct a way of thinking about the way we experience the world. But the important thing here is, is that the power didn't come from the people. We were socially constructing the way we understood what was happening around us. The greater powers of wind, the greater powers of rain, the greater powers of the sun and the earth, 
So we weren't forcing time. We were trying to understand time and create or co-create with these other relationships that we have in the world a way of uh, aligning things and balancing things out. I'll talk about the Maya calendar a little bit later on, but that's just kind of an introduction thinking about kind of a little bit of how the Mayan ways of thinking about time have influenced me. And and I'll talk more later, but another one is I I, I do a lot of work and, and research with uh, people from the kingdom of Tonga, um, primarily Tongans in the diaspora as well, where I came into contact with folks in Utah and, and, and then here in Aotearoa as well. And, and, and um, thinking about, one of the ideas that Tongans have about time, I'm coming from now, uh, some of the 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 scholars of, of Tongan time, which I would say, you know, I think about Futahelu, who talked about how rhythm gives form to, uh, to the world or how time, yeah, the time and rhythm gives form. And then how um, Hufanga, Dr. Mahina, kind of gave a new language to this and, and kind of developed it further saying, hey, there's um, this word in Tongan, ta, which means to beat or to strike, right? And that's kind of the root of ta, 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 of, of say, tattooing, right? So the beating, the rhythm. And it kind of says, hey, this is how we uh, rep- how we represent time is through this, this beat. And then va being uh, a point in between people um, or coming to represent space. And so ta and va being a way of... Rep- and so there's a lot of words that embody those, right? And so then the, the, the other scholar I mentioned as well is Dr. Tevita Kaili, who used in a lot of his research the um, the the cultural value of Tauhi Vaha'a or, or Tauhi Va, which if you think the beginning of, of Tauhi, Ta, is, is in there. And at the end, Va, you know, and so marking uh, time and space is how he has framed it. And so um, Dr. Kaili talks about um, how uh, people, through the performance of maintaining good social and spatial relationships um, through Tauhiva, which is to nurture relationships, is a, really about keeping a, a good rhythm or, or marking out time and space, marking out um, a, a way of organizing time um, together, right? And so for me, this really aligns a lot with some of the ways that I understand time as, as we knock from a Maya perspective. Um, and, and so both of these kind of ideas kind of uh, really influenced me. Um, obviously, there's other ways of thinking about time across the world and globe, and there's going to be a lot of overlaps and there's going to be some differences. And, but that's the kind of stuff that I've been really interested in. And so kind of using that now to think about, you know, how do we think about time? How is time organized? I gave the example at the beginning of this uh, episode with my observations of the, the consumerism at this time of year with the holiday and th- my realization uh, coming here to Aotearoa. But one of the things that I've also come to think about is how we have multiple ways of thinking about time, even in the mainstream society, right? So there's the holiday consumerism, which kind of dictates it. There's also the national calendar. One of the things that has also happened to me uh, while I've been here in Aotearoa is there's certain holidays I just I forget about and don't think about, right? Like Thanksgiving, I have to like consciously think about. And I don't forget it because I grew up with it. it and that's a whole other episode we can talk about in the 
that the baggage in that holiday but i you know i have to consciously think about it because it's not one that's calendared here in aotearoa however the queen's birthday is a day off that we get over here and that's nothing i ever grew up with and so as nations have formed themselves they create calendars as well when you think about what are the national holidays that are recognized that has a strong influence and you know it's interesting because the US has this really strong narrative they tell this story of being a christian nation but it's really a lot more about identity i think than belief when you look at the statistics of who actually has read anything from the christian texts or or practices it that's a whole other thing and then here in in new zealand like it's a very secular place i i believe the 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 most recent stuff i I came across was that most people I believe now in this country are secular or or non-religious. And yet here Easter is a big holiday. I would say Easter here is way bigger than I experienced Easter in the US. And one claims to be a Christian country, the other one is increasingly a lot more secular and they're doing it more hard out than these guys who say they're Christian. So it's a really interesting thing for me to observe um an experience while I've been here and even like there's less reservation about public prayer and those types of things at least in my observation here and they're a lot more diverse about who gets to represent that than where I was coming from so national calendars will have a big influence on how you think about time right or the timing of things and how you the, a particular society organizes time and here's where it, it this differs right from the way I was mentioning uh, the Maya calendar or or Mayan time or indigenous time which I think is quite common when it comes to this is you know it, it, with indigenous concepts of time you're not forcing your way onto the greater powers of the cosmos you're trying to align your ways with the powers of the cosmos which means your sense of time is going to be changing as the cosmos change and that's a major difference from this kind of what has become this mainstream idea based in kind of capitalism and colonization and racial hierarchies and all these other messy things um that have come to kind of dominate the visibility of what we see in this world and yet there's a and it tries to force time on that system why which is why you're trying which is why you know I look around here and there's still depictions of like oh you know a snowy christmas thing I'm like hey, it's summer here like what what is this doing here right and so it, you you can see where that clash comes in more easily here I mean that clash exists definitely in Utah and Turtle Island in in my view but it was harder for me to see growing up and so that's another way of thinking about it right but then to just add the complexity of how we think about time like you know seasons there's multiple types of seasons right what about sports season Right. So growing up, that was the other thing like especially in high school when I was playing football, American US football, the way I began to think about time as well was also oh when does the season start? When does the season end? Season and off season was kind of the big way I thought about it. And you know, as as a as a fan of the game and someone who, you know, look for, you know, I would look forward to the season. And so you kind of were aware of off season, pre-season, and then the season. So that was informing the way I was thinking about time, which was different from the the national calendar and was different from the holiday consumer calendar. Um but obviously all of them are happening at the same time and I was adhering to all of them. 
So that was another way in which time was being marked. Here in Aotearoa, you, it's the same kind of thing, but with rugby, right? Like, when when is the rugby season going to start? Or what kind of rugby it is, right? We're playing rugby, or is it, or is it league? And, and what kind is it? And uh, which tournament is coming up? And so if you're a big fan or a follower of that, time for you is being organized according to those sports seasons. Work calendar is another one, right? You know, in, unless you're hella rich, you got to work. <laughs> and so... How? What time do you got to be at work? What time do you got to be off? Are you a waged employee that's on hourly or are you salaried um, that has maybe a little bit more flexibility and don't have to clock in and out? How does your work schedule go? And so work is another way we think about it. And which holidays does your work recognize, right? Because your your work may or may not recognize all of the the, the national holidays. And then there's other kind of like holidays that are recognized but you may not get the day off and so that's going to influence too how you experience different events like do you work at the airport for example where it's still running even if it is christmas or new year's or thanksgiving or whatever right it doesn't close and so you may or may not depending on your seniority there have to work or maybe you want to because you might mark that time as oh hey it's time and a half i get paid more um, because it's recognized as a holiday or, or whatever it might be. So work schedules is another one, right? And if, you know, there's that common saying of nine to five, right? But obviously there's people working 24-7 and it really depends on what kind of work you have. That's going to definitely influence how you experience time. Are you on a night shift? Or are you on a swing shift? Or are you on a day shift? So that's an example, again, of how capitalist kind of production forces um, a, a particular way of thinking about time. Uh, another one might be school calendar or academic calendar. For myself, working at a university, that's one that I definitely am thinking about all the time. When does the semester start? When does it end? You know, uh, when's the mid-semester break? And because there's so much dedication to to teaching and preparation and all that, like, I, I don't even, I, I always like even schedule in my mind, like, during the semester, I can't be sick, you know? So I'm not allowed to be sick, but I mean, I can't control what happens. But like, in my mind, I'm always thinking that way because that has a higher emphasis where I can maybe afford to be sick when the semester hasn't started, when I'm doing my prep work and I'm doing my writing and, and whatnot. And so that's another way that, that it operates. And so the point here is there's a lot of different ways we think about time, even in our mainstream world. But what are alternatives to this reality? And obviously that stuff has been around for a while, a little while now, and it's Probably going to be around for a little while more, but if we want to make a shift to maybe a healthier way about thinking about time, one that's a little bit more sustainable, then we we have to, I believe, re-engage with indigenous concepts of time and indigenous calendars, and those are going to be place-based. So even though, you know, I'm really passionate about the Maya calendar, and and um, I, I bring a lot of knowledge of that with me, like for me, the logic of a Mayan calendar would be it has to adapt and transform in this place, which means it would not be the Maya calendar necessarily anymore. I might still have the Mayan values of time, but really I have to look to the elder culture, the elder knowledge here about time, which would be the Maori Maramataka. And this is what's also interesting for me is the more that I've begun to learn about the Maramataka and the, 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 the Maori lunar phase uh, knowledge and observations, 
Like it really is very similar. I mean, it's to me, as far as the values go, it's the same way of thinking about time as Mayans. Obviously, it's a different calendar because we're in a different place and there's different history and expressions around it. But the, the value and the approach to me is, is the same in that it's all about making observations and making calibrations to uh, those greater forces. Instead of trying to establish an exact date, you're looking for cosmic markers that appear. So like Matariki, for example, that has already passed. And when that constellation appears in the sky, you begin a new phase. It becomes the Maori New Year. So when people are talking about the end of the year and then the new year, like we're really talking about the Gregorian calendar, which is uh, coming from Europe and has been enforced in this part of the world where it's not the beginning of the year uh, or the end of the year, according to the Maori Maramataka. We're kind of in the middle of 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 the Maramataka and, you know, in in a sense, a little bit, it's been half, we're halfway through till the next new year. And so that's a, a way of beginning to think about shifting the way we talk about the, the season and, and this time of year. However, you know, those mainstream ideas about time are so powerful and they're so ingrained in the way so many people think that they, it's hard. I remember for me, it was really hard to see, to unlearn some of that, to be able to re-embrace more of my indigenous knowledge and heritage was because it seemed like so normal, like that was it. And I'm like, and now I realize, oh no, it's not. Like, sure, it's normal in a particular place, um, but it's not universally normal because there's different normal in different places. And so that can be a tricky thing. But so one of the ways that I'm trying to be practical as well is this is a very hustle and bustle, high attention time of the year. And so how can I think about this time of year from an indigenous lens and as a Mayan, uh, but living in Aotearoa, how can I navigate um, those different ways and concepts of thinking about time? So for, for the Maya calendar, for example, we have multiple calendars as well. We have a sacred calendar, the Cholquij, um, that's in Quiche, in, in, in the Yucatec uh, language, it's uh, Cholquín. And then we have the uh, which is a sacred calendar. It's it's uh, lunar based and um, it, it's going through more. Um, it's going through quicker cycles. It's it's influenced heavily by the gestation period, which means um, human uh, pregnancy and birth, and so that is a big influence on on how we understand that calendar as well. There's also the um, Ab calendar in Quiche or in the Yucatec language, it's Hab which is the agricultural calendar. And this one is very similar to the Gregorian and even the ancient Egyptian calendar as well, where it's about 365 days respectively. That's the key word there, because part of it was is you had 360 day cycles of planting and harvest, but then you had a five day kind of grace period, which it could be those five days, right? A night and a day, but it really was not, you couldn't force it, right? And so those days were really important to, to fast, um, to abstain from, you know, certain things, to kind of increase your focus so you could make observations, particularly day keepers and people who were, were masters of, of time, to know when does the next cycle begin, right? So you have to make observations because you can't force it. You have to go off of the cosmic signs and be flexible to the shifting ways in which time works and operates. 
So I know people give you know Einstein a lot of credit for relativity. Now he he named it in the way he did and described it the way he did with the symbols that he did. But we already had this concept of time. We understood rel- the relativity of time in the way that we constructed and ob- observed um, our environment and the way we organized our calendar systems. And so those two calendars then combined to make the Choltun, or the, the long count, which then helped us to keep track of very deep time. So I don't know if you heard about the Maya calendar in 2012, and there was all this kind of mainstream hype about it. I blame the X-Files. I think they were the first ones who kind of put that into pop culture, the idea of the end of the world or whatever. And then they, then you have a movie, and you have all this stuff. Of course, nobody talking to Maya people about this. And and then you have this idea of, oh, the Mayans are wrong. It's like, what are you talking about? How Because they had already built up uh, this idea from you know, this false narrative uh, about the, the what it meant to the calendar. And I was like, no, like the 2012 represented a, the end of one calendar, which is just starting over again, just like the Gregorian one is about to, and like other calendars do. But that one had to do with our long count calendar, the Chortun, which is a really deep tracking system of time, which is the solar year, 5,126 years respectively, if you're thinking in the Gregorian sense or even in the, the Ab or the Hab sense of, of of keeping track of days. And so totally different way of thinking about time and, and also being aware that it's changing. And this is the other thing that I would run into when people would say stuff like, oh, you know, oh, it was the most accurate up until this point in time or, oh, the Maya calendar or calendars rather, right, were the most accurate except for this or whatever. So it's more accurate than Gregorian, but the astronomical solar year is like 0.002 different or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But then I'm like, no, you're not. The problem is they froze it, right? So the the, the dominant kind of Western academic tradition has taken the calendar, frozen it, and saying, oh, this is what it was, and forgot that it's a living calculating system where you have to constantly calibrate the time. And so for me, that's why the Maori Mara Mataka, the little bit that I'm beginning to learn about it and understand makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and so this time of year, being practical that it's a big time of year for a lot of people is, uh, I've been thinking a lot about how in my family can we celebrate solstice and the coming solstice. Um, that being, it's going to be the summer solstice, so the longest day of the year here. And how can we connect kind of our traditions of um practicing and observing the solstices and equinoxes as, as high energy days, as really important days, and at the same time, uh, recognizing local traditions around this as well. So here in Aotearoa, um, this time of year also has significance with Maori tradition and um, heritage with the story of Maui, who uh, fished up the uh, Te'ika Amaui, the, the North Island that, that I currently live on with my with my father, with my family. And one of the stories goes in, in across uh, the Moana, the ocean, that he slowed down the sun. But here in, in Aotearoa, it has, a, you know, particular place-based meanings as well, which is the slowing down of the sun being the longer days of this time of year. And so as... We're thinking about doing solstice celebration and um, doing our family traditions around that. We've also tried to think about um, the the local knowledge and stories around this time of year and how that's linked to Maui, who first fished up this island and 
slow down the sun so people would have longer days to get more work done during this time of year, which makes sense to me as a Maya as well as far as being a high energy day. Um, and so it that, that's one of the things that we've been thinking about and, tr- and trying to connect with and align with as we enjoy this, this time of year and season, but in a different way with an alternative way of thinking about time and, and organizing time in different ways where we're aligning with these kind of the, the cosmic movement of 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 the sun and the moon and and and, and the stars and the, this kind of this galaxy and sea of planets we um, live in and maybe that could be of use for those of you as well who who might be a little bit bah humbug about the the commercial Christmas uh, this time of year as well so we'll leave it at that for now um, stay tuned for uh, the the next episode. Uh, we'll we'll talk about tamales and solstice tamales, which is one of the traditions we we do at this time of year. Is because for Christmas tamales is a big thing, and so we've kind of shifted it and made tamales for solstice. And um, and again, we're we're calibrating to the to the summer solstice, the longest day here. Whereas uh, in the other part of the world where we were at previously, we would have been uh, adjusting for the winter solstice, which is the shortest day in the year. And, and adapting accordingly. So next episode, we'll talk about food and the cosmology around tamales and in particular corn and some Mayan perspectives around corn. Um, so we'll see you then. Uh, Malteosh, malo apito, thank you.